0: counter is like, mm-hmm. that's not this of
1: kind
0: Bras of shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, is on Saturdays. Is the Rams are right? uh, okay. NFL season on Sundays.
2: This is NFL season Yes. Morning, Chris.
3: Hey, morning. Thanks
2: for the um, hotel room. Uh, I didn't know
0: you guys were going to share. We
4: shared. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, too. I'm like, back to that We're fully decided. Oh,
2: thank you. It wasn't
5: was so that your to Mark and DJ. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. So you can not like, save
0: when you're at on that page every time you scroll down. Yeah. It's not a good sign. Oh. Yeah,
1: it's a i yeah. right, yeah. being
2: blinded
0: by a
1: giant
2: bow. No, well, your
0: parents <laughs> <laughs> it's,
5: it's intentional. It does, it's She's quiet. your doorstep. I guess if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it I guess, is, I guess or is so, so long.
0: I do COVID, so
1: mm-hmm.
6: I What a
0: segue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not in yet, but I don't this weekend. Oh, yeah.
3: Brad.
0: Okay. Is Brad Miller with them? I think she. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh, you guys have an home
6: party? We normally do the exact same thing. We carve pumpkins early and then we put them out. And we- apples, like caramel apples and, apples you know, and candy. You know, candy and pumpkins and stuff. Really, put caramel on pumpkins, and the apples. We can make some mattress here, I guess.
0: Yeah. I just need to figure out where can be.
4: Oh, okay. Okay. That's oh. I'd say roughly 90% of the time we invite friends to our house and help come. so, yeah. uh, who knows. We get salty when we don't invite them.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to be
4: invited to stuff. Okay, we're you know, going to start getting into worship. Uh, if you could stand um, um, and right, I yeah, up and praise, um, not I'm going to pick up with By reading a couple of verses of Psalm 95. Um, so the first three verses go like this. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. truth. Lord, I just pray that all of our hearts, all of our, our lips would be oriented towards you in praise. Lord, i all come into this, this service with different places, some with heavy hearts, some with joyful hearts. Lord, I just pray that we would be met by you at this time in our need. We give you thanks for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning,
6: congregation. You may take a seat. Welcome. Glad to have you here this morning. My name is Nick Rombo. I am on staff here with Evan and with Matt, and it was a joy to be able to serve alongside them and to be up here to tell you this morning about a few announcements, some things that are going on here at Common Ground Church. The first of them is, is that today, right after the service, uh, we're going to have a uh, baptism class because we've got a baptism service coming up. And if that's something you want to know more about, we encourage you to stick around and uh, be present for that. We'll fill you in. We also want to let you know that the women's uh, group is having a study, and it's going to be on Saturdays at 9 a.m. And they're going through a book called "What Love Requires: A Path." To deeper life. And I guess that's by Ellie Page, not who you wrote down there. Because that's a totally different person. That would make it weird. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then on Thursday, November 4th, Thursday, November 4th, we're gonna have our tech training. So uh, if you're interested in working with slides, working with sound, working with moving all this equipment around, yeah, you're right, how about that? Um, thank you. Uh, We would would love to have you join us. That's Thursday, November 4th from 6 o'clock to 7.30, and we will feed you if you're really good at hooking things up. And then along with the baptism service, we're also hoping to have a service for uh, child dedication because we've got a lot of them. There's one looking at me right now that's, wow, she's really paying attention. And uh, if that's something you want to know more about and perhaps participate in, we invite you to come and uh, learn more about that. Again, that is November 7th, Sunday. And then November 14th, uh, we're going to have a special lunch here over at Dark Hall. And uh, South Dakota Kids Belong, and that's a that's a ministry that deals with uh, fostering kids and how the community can come alongside fostering families, fostering children, things like that, Um, Maybe you'd even be interested in fostering a child who knows but it doesn't require that just what are ways that we at Common Ground can perhaps reach out and encourage and help. So that's November 14th on Sunday right after church and a free lunch is provided there. See how we encourage people to come in with food? It's it's worked since the beginning of Christianity so we're going to keep doing that. (laughs) That is true. Uh, And then you probably noticed driving in today that it is a little bit more of a mess uh, outside the building uh, due to road construction than it has been before. So just to make you aware of, uh, to help you out with parking a little bit, number one, you can now enter the parking lot off of St. Joe Street. Okay, That is now open, and there's parking spaces there. And then uh, across the road from us, uh, Little Treasures, is that what it's called, Little Treasures Daycare. Uh, They're not operating while we're doing church services. So they have allowed us to use their parking space. So that is available for you as well. And then, of course, the complex across the street from us has open spots as well. So there's plenty of parking. We just want to help you to maneuver around all of the construction. Okay. So, uh, again, welcome. Uh, so now it's your opportunity to welcome one another. So during our greeting time, just want to encourage you to, the Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to forbid you from that either. <laughs> uh, and maybe a, a holy elbow bump or fist bump or foot tap or handshake, whatever you want to do. Uh, just get up and let's spend some time saying good morning to
4: this week and even now that we would know that our need is you alone. So we just pray for that. That you would bless us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all can uh, take a seat. Uh in this time in our service uh we like to offer up of our, our worship to God and in this time we, we offer up of our, our resources. Um I think there's three ways to give I think those will be on the screen you can see here. God calls us to be a giving people that we've received everything and that to give is the character of, of Christ. Um, so I really encourage you guys to consider that, to think about how God calls you individually to give today and this week of your time and resources. So we encourage you to do that. For this next song, uh, it's probably new for a lot of you, uh, but I really, really appreciate it um, lyrically uh, because it talks about God's God's um, love and sovereignty in our life um but i think and i think it's important just to to remember in a time when we can be very scattered and very chaotic to uh to remember that he is on the throne and that uh, just to be patient that his plans um, are still to prosper still to come about so that's the, the course in the song. so hope you can see you along. Invite up Lindsay. Okay, to go to a time of prayer.
2: Jesus is supposed to be our sufficiency, and our, we're supposed to be totally dependent on him, and so I've been challenged this week, um, and even specifically in the last couple of days, is how I can depend on Christ more in my everyday and my every moment. So I wanted us to, for our prayer time, to think about different ways that we can depend on God, think, <laughs> different ways that we can depend on God in our the challenges that we're going through and how we're learning to determine on Him, in the relationships that we're going through, things with work, things with jobs. And so I would just like to open up the floor. Evan's gonna be the runner um, with a mic. I think I'll also start off with a praise this week. I'm looking around and I see a lot of faces that I've been praying for. Chris is back, to Mandy are back, Luke's back. So we praise God for healing them from COVID. and It's really good to see everybody back in our congregation.
1: Yeah, how can we be praying for you this week? That's a good way to get their attention. That was the plan. Hi. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Good morning.
7: My name is Ray. And in the spirit of the Thanksgiving and of our dependence upon God. He truly is the vine, we are the branches. Uh, he has sustained us once again this week. Uh, we wanna give him thanks for walking us through an incident uh, with Christina, by wife, who is here. We uh, spent some time in the emergency room on Tuesday evening, and uh, uh, they're still- Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> right, Dad? Not, not fun. But uh, I'm thankful for the people that work there, Chris, wherever you are. We he left. Maybe he knew I was going to say something about it. uh Yeah, it's good to have those folks there that look after you when you are in need, and we want to give God the for that. Continue to pray for our family. Uh, we also, uh, October is Canadian Thanksgiving Month, like November is Thanksgiving Month here in the USA. Um, so we are. Not only thankful for the second second full Monday in October where we celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving, just like the American Thanksgiving. We have turkey and trimmings and, uh, you know, lay out the, the spread. Uh, the third week in October, Sally and I celebrated our anniversary. And uh, that was this week. And uh, thank you, all those who do about it, and it so many artists. Uh We appreciate that very much. I'll take a page out of my father-in-law's book, we're married 43 years. Um, uh, The reason I go to that length, uh, we decided to stay local because we had just finished a a trip, of course, to the East Coast, to Nova Scotia, for my nephew's wedding, and uh, I ran time out there. Uh, So we stayed locally, went to uh, Longhorn Steakhouse the other evening. We gave thanks publicly for our food. And uh, the waitress, Christy, said, Thank you for not being ashamed to give thanks in a public place. Yeah, (laughs) that's kind of cool, you know, that somebody takes notice. And uh, God used that moment uh, for us to share back and forth a little bit. Pray for her husband, (coughs) who's searching, I think. And, uh, you know, we were there to celebrate our anniversary. And what better way to celebrate than to spread the gospel. And uh, what, a, what a great time. So we're very thankful this morning for the goodness that God shares and blesses us in our lives. And uh, we give Him the praise.
0: So, uh, I'm Logan. Um, I just have a couple... Prayers. The first one is a prayer of thanks and praise. Um, I've been looking for a while now for a new job that will keep me home instead of being overnight constantly every other week out in the Bohemian, of people of Wyoming. Um, <laughs> well, I start my new job a week from tomorrow. Um, it's at 8 to 5 Monday through Friday here in Rapid City. I'll travel through the hills a little bit doing a pass control, but home every night, so company, they all, everyone that works there has kids, so that's also a blessing where they understand what that's like, um, and then just some prayers for me and my siblings, um, there's went down to see my mom and grandma in that last weekend, um, and there's some just some things there with uh, my mom. Stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. So, prayers for that. And also, my grandma, I think last Saturday, Sunday, sometime in there, she got taken to the ER, thought to be a cardiac issue. They're treating it as pneumonia now. They're not really sure. She has a a ton of other health issues on top of that. So.
3: Hi, my name is Susie, and. if you guys remember, Tim and Vi were here mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Yeah, but uh, their daughter, Miranda, had their third child yesterday. Woo! Little Violet, mm-hmm. in honor of Vi. So, um, very, very cool. But we, uh, I going to lift up the Hope Center for prayer. There's a lot of really hurting people. Um, and there was, uh, gosh, a couple of deaths, and a suicide, and, It's just kind of endless down there, and there's so many people, there's so much loss and grief and hurt. Um, So just pray for really everybody, because mental health right now is really, uh, really overdoses are really, really high. Um, It's bad, it's really bad. I don't know, know. we're at a crisis point, I think. A lot of prayer.
5: Yeah, thanks Thank for that reminder to pray for the Hope Center. I'm thankful for you, for the and for Nick, who are working there. Doing all that work. To
4: your left, Joey. Uh, hi, my name is Joey. Uh, actually, on a similar note to what Susie was asking for prayer for. Just that um, we would also be reminded that, you know, and this is something I've been convicted over the past week, that our prayers um, should also turn to action so that we would also just, like, with people that are in need, just truly really have compassion on them and like, recognize where we have a lot to give. Um, even if it maybe hurts to give it, just that we'd be willing to make that sacrifice for the good of others and for the Lord. Uh, my name is creepy. Um, I would like you to pray for a co-worker of mine who is stuck in a very broken home, um, and she's hurting a lot from it, um, and she's not Christian, and has no real desire to be even around Christians, and so she's very hopeless right now, um, so please pray for her, and pray for her guidance from me on how to do
7: show show Christ in her life
3: I'm so
2: I'm a good sister and good sisters bring attention to their brothers when it's their birthdays uh, so just praise God that um, our family for the last 18 years has had someone like Green um, yeah yeah is this guy right here is the most like willing to serve and um, just has so much compassion for other people when they're hurting um, because he hurts a lot too. So praise God that um, he's put something in him, uh, but also pray for him because being adult
5: sex sometimes and now he has to really love that as an 18 year old so yeah i'm so thankful that you were around and it's your birthday this week just a reminder i can't tell luke were you being coy or where were you you okay uh hey i'm luke uh don't know me you've probably been praying for the last two weeks for me to COVID or whatever so I don't know sorry, but um, so going home with COVID was nice to see my family and coming back to my homework list was not nice um, and it's been more of a struggle than I expected to get caught up and it's been really just taking a toll on me I think so a lot of stress a lot of just pressure and you know the assignments don't stop coming so Getting caught up, I guess, has been really hard on my mental health and all this stuff. So I don't know. That's all I got. Thanks.
2: Hi, I'm Kayla. Um, I just would like to ask for prayer for my mom and my family. Um. <laughs> Just recently we found out that she's been diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer. Um, she starts chemo this next week and so we're just asking her to give him to and let she be healed. Thank you, thank you everybody for sharing. Uh, let's, let's go to the Lord and pray right now. Oh, dear Lord, thank you. Thank you God. You are here. We can, can come before you in times of praise, times of thanksgiving, times of brokenness, times of pain. Lord, you are the same. You are faithful, you are good, you hear us, and you love us. Thank you for always being there. Lord, I praise you for the ways that you've been in each person's life and his congregation. I praise you first of all for answering prayers by right? healing so many of our friends from COVID, bringing them back into our communities. Lord, we thank you that you are a Jehovah Jireh, really the God who heals. Lord, we thank you for Ray and the rest of the strong family as well, for protecting Christina during the ER trip and for the way that Ray and Sally were able to witness on their anniversary even on the faithfulness of their marriage because of the faithfulness that you've shown them. Lord, pray for Logan, the new job that he's going to be starting, and for, as well as the situation with his, his mom, and his siblings, and his grandma. Lord, I want to also extend that prayer to everyone who has been a lot of prayers for family and for relationships, God, that you would just be the uniter of broken relationships, that you'd be the, the healer, and Lord, that we would love and forgive because you first loved and forgave us. Lord, I pray for Susie and her request for the Hope Center. God, there's so much darkness in our world and brokenness. Again, Lord, we look forward to the day when you will come back and you're going to restore it all and make it perfect. And I pray that you would use us as instruments of that now, that you would be stirring up hearts and stirring hearts into action, God, that we would take risks, that we would be vulnerable, that we would be open, that we would be invested the people around us because, Lord, you manifest in us all the time. Thank you, Lord, for, for and his heart, for his co-worker. Lord, I just pray that you would open up her heart to sense your spirit, to want to be receptive to the hope, and that you would again use Creedon as a hope for her, by showing her your light and your love. Jesus, I, I pray with winter and praise for as well. Thank you for him and for everyone else who serves in this church. God, it is such a, such a beautiful thing to see your people working together as one body. And I thank you that we are all different in different ways that glorify you. Lord, I pray for Luke, and as well as the other students at Mines and Elsewhere, Lord, with homework that needs to be caught up on during this mid-semester grind. Lord, it's a lot. It's a lot right now. And we thank you that you are our strength and our help in times of need. And Lord, lastly, I do pray for Kayla. Thank you for her openness and sharing. Pray for her mom and the rest of her family with this diagnosis, God. Thank you that you are in control, and even as we sang about, Lord, you're sovereign over us in, in the mountains and in the valleys. And Lord, I just thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever.
5: I look forward to your coming in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you guys for entering into that time. I think it's really valuable for us to do as a family, to gather around and pray for one another, and to share those things. That's also a time for me to get warmed up so I get to run around this room. So that's helpful as well. Well, hey, we have reached. The final week in our series on the I Am Statements. Um, We've been in this series for eight weeks now. Um, We've gone through all of the statements where Jesus claimed um, to be these, these I Am statements. These things that he revealed about his character, about his person, about who he is. Where Jesus answered the question about who is he? And we saw over the last eight weeks that Jesus revealed himself to be God and he claimed to be Yahweh. He said that He is the great I am of the Old Testament. He claimed to be the burning bush. That's why we have our uh, our tree here. It's not just an autumn-colored maple tree. <laughs> Slow down there, Ray. That's, uh, that's the burning bush, not just a maple tree there. And Jesus claimed to be that burning bush, claimed to be Yahweh. And then we looked at Jesus claiming to be our bread of life right the universal human need the light of the world and, and then he called us to be his lights he claimed to be the door for the sheep and then nick taught about how jesus has an open door policy and how jesus has made a way for us to come into his flock and then we talked about jesus claiming to be the the good shepherd and i got to herd sheep up here with a couple talkative former pastors and that was great we got to learn about that it's fun for you guys <laughs> and then We talked about jesus as the resurrection and the life and the beautiful promise of new life and of a resurrected body that he gives us then last week we talked about jesus as the way the truth and the life of jesus as the way to eternal life as the truth we can hold on to in a confusing world and then life in god's presence and now almost as if to sum it all up we get to jesus's claim as Lindsay spoiled it for us jesus's claim to be divine where Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches, abide in me and I in you. you. Jesus says, you can connect to me that all I am is offered to you. And apart from me, you can do nothing but connected to me, you can bear fruit. And This is the claim that we're looking at today. Jesus claiming to be the vine. And Jesus speaks in in these metaphors and these rich spiritual truths which are really beautiful and really great um, for us to look at and be able to pull so much out. But some of them essentially can get kind of confusing because it's a metaphor, because it's this, you know, botany imagery that we might not be that familiar with. And so we're going to look at this image of the vine, and this is the branches, and we're going to look at kind of the four main aspects of that. We're going to look at what it means today for Jesus to be the vine. We're going to look at what he means for us to be the branches. We're going to look at what exactly fruit is, because that seems to be our purpose in this whole thing, is to produce fruit. And then we're going to look at what it means to remain, or what it means to abide, remain in me. What exactly does Jesus mean by that? So this is kind of where we're going today as we look at Jesus' claim to be the true vine. We're going to look at those four places. But before we do that, we're going to read the passage We're going to read this story where Jesus claims to be the true vine. You will find it in John chapter 15 in verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 17. It's a nice little chunk here. And the words will also be on the screen, but I would encourage you to pull it out on your phone, in your Bible. We have Bibles scattered throughout um, the room here, and they will be on the screen. But we will read John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command: Love each other. So there's a lot there. And there are a few images that I want to look at. And these are the four images. This first one being the vine. Jesus claims to be the vine. But what you notice is he doesn't claim to just be the vine, does he? He claims to be the true vine, right? Insinuating that there's more than one vine, right? There's some other vine out there, but he's claiming here to be the true vine. And that's where we see an image here. This is an image of the temple in Jerusalem. Sorry, I can't afford to actually buy the stock photo, so we're going to have the watermark on there. That's okay. Um, But either way... When you read through the Old Testament, you see in passages like Isaiah chapter 5, Psalm 80, Ezekiel 19, Jeremiah 2, all throughout the Old Testament, it identifies Israel as a vine or as a vineyard. And this was actually very central to Israel's very identity. The nation of Israel identified as a vine or a vineyard. And you see, because it was a national symbol of Israel, anytime they would build something like the temple or they would have any kind of important cultural Symbol or event, there, it would be decorated with vines, it would be decorated with grapes, it would be decorated in this vineyard theme. And so at the temple, it was very ornate that they had these gold vines running up the pillars in front of the front door because their national symbol was the vine. And even their currency even had grapes on it. And when you enter the city of Jerusalem, and particularly the gate on the outside of the city, you can still see it today. It still has these grapes carved into it that we have an image of there. And a lot of the gates around the city would be decorated with vines or with grapes because this was the national symbol. And you see, this became the national symbol of Israel because Israel is actually great like farmland for growing grapes and for growing vines. Christina, we've got a picture there of a beautiful vineyard in Israel of what it looks like And so in Israel they have basically the perfect climate for growing grapes for growing wine. Now grapes um, they might be easy to grow if you're just growing table grapes, but in order to grow wine grapes, Wine grapes are really, really picky and they require a particular set of circumstances and conditions for them to grow well, and then any time that you're making wine with it, any imperfections or any issues in the climate that they went through are just going to be maximized in the wine. And so wine is really hard to make and you can't just grow it everywhere. And actually, even still today, some of the best world I mean, some of the best wine in the world comes from Israel, comes from this area. And so wine for the and grapes and vineyards and vines um, for the Jew who lived in Israel always was a symbol of celebration for God's provision, God's protection, God's presence with them. The fact that they lived in this area where this really hard to grow crop would just flourish and do well. Because, if you know much about the story, they didn't always live in this beautiful wine country. Um, They actually spent a few hundred years in Egypt as slaves right and I don't have a picture of the landscape in Egypt for you but you can go ahead and look it up on your own and you will see that it is not the best place for growing wine grapes it is very flat and hot and arid and wine has to be grown in a place where it is warm but not too hot and so the Black Hills obviously don't do well you can't really grow good wine in this area And it's got to be wet, but the vines can't sit in the water. So it has to be on rolling hills. and It has to be on, you know, soil that will drain well. And, you know, it has to have these perfect conditions. Egypt wasn't like that. But then God brought them out of Egypt, right? And he brought them to Israel, to this place where now, if you can grow wine grapes, you can grow just about anything. And so they're in the promised land, this place where their life is flourishing and where instead of being slaves just forced to work in this dry arid inhospitable desert now they're in this beautiful place enjoying just the fruits of what they can produce and so wine was central to their identity psalm 80 declares this it says you transplanted a vine from egypt you drove out the nations and planted it you cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land The mountains were covered with its shade the mighty cedars with its branches its branches reached as far as the sea its shoots as far as the river and so it was there that god promised that okay you guys are the vine you are this vineyard that i'm planting in this area and i'm going to plant you there so that you can be a blessing to the world and that was also core to israel's purpose is that they would live in this beautiful place because this is the place where heaven and earth is going to meet, essentially. And they're the people with whom God will actually dwell. And that humanity can actually be in God's presence because of them there, and they're gonna be the ones with whom God will dwell, and the whole world will be blessed by God's presence. So that's why God put them there and he said, hey, this is your purpose. You're to be here as a vine, as a vineyard, To bless the world, just as a vineyard, just as producing this wine would be a blessing to those who live there. You were to be a blessing to the world in this place. However, one of the things that happened over the years is that the religion that God set up for them to be a blessing to the world, to allow people to encounter God's presence, became corrupt, it got twisted. And it went from being this beautiful system that allows people to enter into God's presence into something that actually kept most people from encountering God, into an obstacle between humanity and God's presence. In Isaiah chapter 5, it talks about how God planted this vineyard in the best place it could possibly be. He basically did anything and everything he could for it to produce good grapes. It says, you know, he dug it up, he cleared it of stones, and he planted it with the choicest vines. He gave them every advantage. But then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And this prophecy in Isaiah was talking about how this vine that was supposed to produce good sweet fruit had essentially gone sour and was not fulfilling its purpose as being the place in which people could encounter God. And as you learn about Jesus' life and ministry, you'll probably see that he spent a lot of time critiquing the religious system in israel critiquing the jewish system because at that point it had become twisted and it had been influenced by all these man-made ideas uh, one of which was like the sabbath you know the sabbath was a great thing for people who spent their lives as slaves hey you guys work 24 7 i'm going to give you a day off where you don't work that is a beautiful act of freedom that god gave in the sabbath but then the Sabbath became corrupted. And the Sabbath turned into these really strict rules about not working. And at this time, when Jesus came to Israel and claimed to be the vine, the Sabbath had been twisted so much that if you had fake teeth at the time, they considered that those fake teeth as actually extra weight that you were carrying. And so on the Sabbath, you had to take your fake teeth out, and you could not carry them around in your mouth because that would be work. Sorry, take those out. Or a wooden leg. If you had a wooden leg, you cannot walk around with your wooden leg on the Sabbath because that's extra weight and that's work. Why do they got to be mean to Charlie like that? I don't think it's fair. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees found loopholes and they found ways around this. You know, one of the rules also on the Sabbath is that you could not travel. You could not go from like my house to your house. That's too much travel. It's too much work. Can't do it. But what the Pharisees did as they came up with a little loophole for this and they decided that on the sabbath they would have their workers their assistants tie ropes from their house to their buddies houses or to wherever they want to go and then they claimed that because all of these different houses were connected by ropes it's actually just one big house and they could go wherever they wanted because oh all these houses are connected by ropes it's actually one house so i'm not traveling i'm just going from one room to the next And they could go to their buddy's house. Meanwhile, there's a guy with no leg and no teeth, unable to go anywhere. And they're just going to and fro because they found a loophole for themselves. And so this this system that was supposed to allow people to encounter God was corrupt. And this is the backdrop at which Jesus comes up and says, I am the true vine. And they were moving their way towards the temple at this time. You can probably see the ornate vine decorations at this point. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true place in which heaven and earth meet. I am the true way to encounter God's presence on earth, not this man-made obstacle that there has been. So Jesus says, I am the vine. And then Jesus says in verse 5, you... Are the branches speaking to his disciples speaking to us he says if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing and he explains that we as his disciples are the branches and these branches are cared for and taken care of by the the vine dresser by the gardener by the, the farmer here by God the Father and in verse 2 it says that every branch is pruned It's pruned, and and the NIV says, cut off. Or the ESV, it'll also say, taken away. That these branches are are taken away. Every branch is cut off that bears no fruit. And there have been books and books and books, and sermon after sermon, um, written about verse two here, and they typically go something like this. Like, if you are not productive, and if you are not producing fruit, then God is going to cut you down, Mm -hmm. right? You're going down, boy, But that is not actually what is being spoken of here, right? That if if you're not producing fruit, you're good for nothing. Um, Because we'll see that later in verse 6. There's talk about fire and about punishment and about this. But oftentimes, we mix up what exactly gets punished, and we mix up who gets punished. And I think verse 2 is a good example of that, Um, where this specific instance about pruning and getting taken away is not about salvation. It's about fruitfulness. And we know that you are not saved by how much fruit you produce. You're saved by faith. And in verse 2, he says, he cuts off the branches that don't bear fruit. And the ESV says, take away. And so it seems kind of scary. Like, okay, well, taken away. It must be taken away to the garbage, right? Well, not exactly. Um, the Greek word here that's used... Um, is literally like to take up or to lift up. And it's the same word that we typically translate as resurrect, to lift up, to raise up. And so some translations will say that. And the idea of being taken up or lifted up is not lifted up and then thrown in the trash, but it's actually taken up and then reattached somewhere else on the vine. So it's this idea of, okay, if a vintner is taking care of his vines, there's gonna be some vines that are growing way down low, in the mud, in the shade, and those are not going to produce fruit because of where they're at. And so the vintner will come in, and you can actually snip a branch off the vine, take it to a better place out of the mud, in the sunshine, you can tie it on, and it will be grafted into the vine and actually start to grow and actually start to produce fruit. And this is the image that's being talked about here in verse 2, that the vintner, God, the vine dresser, will lift up. The branches that are not producing fruit, not to take away and throw away, but actually clean them off to reattach to a better spot, so that they can produce fruit. And we know that this is what it's about because in verse three, Jesus says, "You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, right? That you are already saved because of the gospel message that I've given to you." So we know this is not this is not about salvation here. This is about fruit production. This is about being fruitful, and Jesus, in this case, is saying, hey, if you're not being fruitful, if you don't feel clean or like like your life is amounting to what God's purpose for you might be, that's not what leads to getting thrown away and burnt up, but that's actually when God, through the Holy Spirit, moves towards you to lift you up, to help you, to fix you, to prune you, and this pruning is what Jesus compares it to. And this pruning, he says, is actually a good thing. This is what leads to fruit production. This pruning. But now here's the thing. is pruning might be good for us, but it's not always comfortable, right? This idea of God lifting us off of where we are or maybe cutting aspects of us back of pruning. When God prunes our branches, it's a good thing, and this is him you know, pulling back the things in our life that are impeding us from living the life that he has for us, of, of receiving his full joy, of receiving his full love, of producing the fruit that he calls us to. It's a good thing, but it isn't always comfortable. <laughs> and that's what we have to recognize, I think. But nonetheless, it's always good, because God's desire for us is to be a fruit-producing vine. And if the vine doesn't produce fruit, the vines are not usually good for much. In fact, non-fruit-producing vines actually tend to just get in the way a lot. And, you know, we saw that beautiful picture of a vineyard in Israel, and vineyards are just like some of the most beautiful landscapes you can ever see. It's gorgeous. That's because, okay, well, that, we know that's a fruit-producing vine, and it's gorgeous. Another kind of vine that doesn't produce fruit, and that I have a personal hatred towards, is English ivy. I know we don't have a lot of English ivy in the Black Hills here, um, but the house that I grew up in, the whole front section of it in front of our house down the hill was covered in English ivy. And every year in the summer, we had to go hack it up and pull it back because inevitably every year it would just grow to completely like, cover the sidewalk and it would just go crazy and it would just grow so like entangled and in on itself that if you ever took a year off from trimming it or hacking it down, the next year, they would just be giant balls of branch and root that you cannot get through. And so I just grew up fighting those vines and hating them. And what good do they do? I mean, I guess they keep, like, our house from sliding down the hill, which, that's good. But they don't produce root. They're not really that pretty for looking at. Our dog would just go, like, steal things and hide them in the ivy. And so every year when you'd go cut the ivy, you'd find, like, a bunch of like baseballs or toys or random things stuffed in there because he would hide them and then he wouldn't be able to find them.
1: <laughs>
5: but English ivy just is an annoyance and it just gets in the way of the purpose and it's not something that you can ever really get rid of and then, okay, good luck trying to grow anything there because it'll just reach up and choke other things out. And the pruning that God does for our lives is very similar. He's keeping these things that might try to choke out the life in us. Or that might get in the way of others on the sidewalk, and he's pruning this back so that we're not this English ivy, but we're this beautiful vineyard, this vine that produces fruit. That he has this great purpose for our life to produce this fruit. And the question is then okay, what is the fruit, right? Okay, well, where have you guys heard about fruit in other places in the Bible? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Did you know that Paul in Galatians chapter 5 was just teaching on John chapter 15? Galatians 5 is just Paul basically making a commentary on Jesus in, Luke, in John 15. And he starts out, as, as we read this, we're going to read the Fruit of the Spirit section. You're going to see all of the, the imagery that Jesus has just spoken of. And you're going to see Paul teaching on this and expanding it and basically explaining what this means. And he starts out, with the things that need to be pruned. He starts out with the pruning that needs to be done in our life, and then he gets to the fruit. And so I know oftentimes we focus just on the fruit of the spirit aspect, but this whole section is actually Paul teaching on John chapter 15, and he starts out with what needs to be pruned. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul wrote this. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, that sounds rough, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what it is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy and drunkenness orgies and the like i warn you as i did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of god so that's the stuff that needs to be pruned right paul is just rambling on. These are the things that need to be pruned. But when he prunes, he's giving the instruction then to remain in the vine. And then he goes on. Here is the fruit that you'll be able to produce, that will be produced in you if you remain connected to the vine. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus Have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, Paul is teaching how Jesus is the vine here. He's expanding this idea and he's using and stealing that imagery of a fruit producing vine or of a tree that makes fruit. And now, the fruit of the Spirit, I know that it's often taught as like a list of commands or as a list of things that we need to do. And so it's like, okay, this week we're going to work on goodness. I want all of you to get out there and be good. Or, you know, okay, well it tells me to be patient and so, um, you know, if there's a situation in my life where it's hard and I need to be patient, then I just need to say, alright, Evan, come on, be patient. Look at that, I feel patient now, it worked. Right? The fruit of the Spirit actually aren't Commands. if you notice. Nowhere in that chapter does it say, be more like this or do this. And I think it's just bad like reading in general to read that in there like we typically do. Because that's not what it says the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not a list of commands. It's not a list of things that, okay, this week we do this. Tuesday you do goodness. And Wednesday you work on patience. And then Thursday you work on self-control. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. There's no command like that in there. But in that section, there are two commands. Can anyone find what they are? Shout out if you think you can find it. Bless you. Verse 16 is one of them. There's a command. Did you find it? I know. Okay, so verse 16 is a command there. And what is the command? Walk by the Spirit. Or walk in step with the Spirit, as the ESV says. There's one more command in verse 25. Keep in step with the Spirit. Those are the commands here. That is actually how the fruit is produced. That is how the fruit of the Spirit comes out in you. Walking by the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit. That when we walk with Him, only then will fruit of the Spirit be produced in us. Will it grow on us? Okay? Because, like we talked about, you can't just be in a really tough situation and then just say, all right, come on, Evan, be patient, be good, and just decide through our own effort to produce that in us. because the fruit of the Spirit, they're not just these little character virtues or these like positive traits that we can have. These are characteristics of God. This is a list of what God is like. And for us humans to display these characteristics of God. We have to be connected to God. We walk in step with Him. We don't just work on it for our own effort or just will ourselves to producing these things, but they are grown in us through connection, through relationship, through time spent, through remaining in His presence, through walking with Him. And Paul is teaching on what the branches are to do to produce fruit to be connected to the vine to walk in step to keep up with you know and the metaphor here is that if you're disconnected you cannot do it right jesus said in verse four no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me And in the ESV, or in some versions of the NIV, Jesus will straight up say, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's like, thank you for the vote of confidence, Jesus. But that's the reality, that apart from him, the fruit of the Spirit is not just a list of things that then you can figure out and produce on your own. The call and the command is to be connected to him, to remain in him. And so this brings us to that last thing that we're gonna look at. Okay. So if that's what the branch is supposed to do, produce this fruit, and that's what the fruit is, it's essentially the fruit of the Spirit, how do we do that? How is that produced if it's not just effort? And so that is where we get to the instruction that Jesus says over and over in this passage, remain in me, remain in me. It's been long translated. I think some versions that you might be reading from will say abide, abide. That's an old school word, but I think it's a good it's a beautiful word to abide and it's a word that when literally translated um, the greek word here is meno in the greek meno and it literally means to stay at home or to stay where you are to remain where you are, are there any home bodies here Raise a home body there are a few of you don't be ashamed a minute it's okay to stay at home in and so that is what jesus is essentially saying here that okay if you want to be fruitful connected to the vine stay at home in me remain in me stay connected to me and actually 10 times in those 17 verses that we read did jesus use that word 10 times he's just driving home he's just saying it over and over again remain 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 in me as i remain in you ground yourself Center yourself Come back to me at the end of every day. May I be your home. May I be like the default thing that you're thinking about. May I be like the default heart posture that you have. Make your home in God's presence. And stay there. Stay there. And what we remember about the context of this story, right, is that this is just a few chapters after what we read last week. And this is still Jesus essentially saying goodbye to his disciples. This is Jesus explaining that he's going to leave. And now Jesus is within 24 hours of his arrest at this point. And this takes place in what's called the upper room discourse, where Jesus is just with his group of disciples, his closest friends, in a room, and he's explaining that he's going to leave. These are his final words. And so it's in this, when Jesus is essentially saying goodbye, that he's going to leave, that he's saying stay in me so it seems kind of tricky right well if you're going to leave how do we remain connected to you and remain in you? and if you remember last week well it's in the previous chapter uh, at the end of 14 that Jesus says when I leave I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit I'm going to send you another advocate I'm going to send you the Spirit who will be with you always I'm not going to leave you as orphans but the Spirit will be with you and that is how you remain connected to me And for us today in 2021 right we don't have jesus in the flesh walking with him where we can just say okay i'm moving in with you i'm making my home with you but for us it's the same instructions as it is for the disciples that the way that we remain in him is via the holy spirit it's through our connection with the spirit that we remain connected to the spirit's presence and i think we do this through two ways we remain, we abide, we menow in the Holy Spirit's presence by one, obeying Jesus' commands, and two, just learning to live in constant awareness of his presence. These two things, this is how we remain. This is how we abide. This is how we stay connected. And this first one, obey his commands, is not just, like we said, like white-knuckling our way through life and trying to accomplish a list. But in verse 10 of John 15 here, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus is saying, you want to do this? Okay, obey my commands. And then Jesus made it really easy on us. though, guys, don't worry. He told us what his commands are. Verse 12, my command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. One more time in verse 17 so that we wouldn't miss it. This is my command love each other. So abiding, so remaining in Christ's love, staying connected to the vine, means loving each other. Means loving others as Jesus has loved us. And you see, this is especially important um, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit because often we make the fruit of the Spirit just like this internal thing between us and God, right? Just this, like, Path to enlightenment and a deep faith that's just, you know, what we practice at home. Um, But the fruit of the Spirit must always be understood and applied in the context of community and relationships um, between us and God and us and others. Because I'll tell you, the fruit of the Spirit, that's really easy all on your own, right? And if I spend a whole day just me and God on retreat, just praying with no one else, I'm really patient and I end up feeling really holy. Like forbearance is easy when it's just me and God. Forbearance is like overlooking offenses. When it's me and God, yeah, fruit of the spirit, easy. That changes when you're around other people though. When you actually have to be patient with others. When you actually have to overlook offenses from others. The fruit of the spirit are with God in us and must be understood. In community because that's when the branch is tested can you produce this fruit on your own yeah probably what about in community right that it's not just a move upward to god but the fruit of the spirit the spirit prompts us to move outward on his mission to the world as well to love others and don't skip over the fact that jesus actually is instructing instructing the disciples to love each other right to love one another. And so for us as a church, it starts with loving one another as well. It starts with loving one another in the church. It starts with loving one another in common ground. You see, because it's in the church that we are actually prepared and that we actually are connected to the vine and able to learn to love, learn to follow his commands in the context of this community, all united around the same purpose and we're prepared and grown here so that we can love the world. That this is actually the place in which we're obeying God's commands, we're obeying Jesus' commands to love one another so that we can be formed and developed here and then to go and to love the world. And so Jesus asks his disciples, he commands his disciples to love each other. And it's to be done first in their community of disciples and in our community of faith. Now the thing is, that's really inconvenient because in a church or in a community of faith, um, typically there are going to be people that you might not have chosen to be your friend um, for a whole long list of reasons, right? You know, there are all different community organizations or hobbies you can have or places you can go that typically cater to like maybe one or two different demographics, you know? But you can go to certain coffee shops in town and you'll see kind of the same two or three types of people. You know, you can have hobbies um, that typically will be done by people who have certain jobs, um, by people who subscribe to certain political ideologies, by people who, you know, are very similar in a whole list of ways. Um, But in the church, really all it takes for people to be part of this community is belief in Jesus. And then everything else, there's usually a lot of differences. I mean, I think, obviously, like, we recognize in America, Birds of the Feather will just, like, make a new church based on, like, what we like here and there and what our preferences is. Or we'll have, like, a golfer church or a biker church or a cowboy church, you know. And we do try to, you know, create those things. But the idea of the church is that you're united around Christ, not just hobbies, not identity, not all these other things. Because it's when you're in the context of that community where you are loving others who aren't exactly like you, that you're truly grown by the Spirit. You see, Terry Walling, he's a pastor and an author who's written dozens of books on leadership, on healthy church community, on small groups and all that stuff, and he said recently in a podcast that you do not have real community until you have somebody in the group that you really can't stand. (laughs) Basically, somebody who drives you crazy, who irritates you, who says things you don't agree with. And then he says, now you are talking about community because now you are learning what it means to express Christ's love when he says so, not when you feel like it. This is the context in which Jesus is commanding us, love each other, walk in step with the Spirit. It's within the church that we build up our branches' ability to support this fruit of loving others as Christ has loved us, right? And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And now I think we realize, oh, yeah, loving others as Christ has loved me is really difficult. I can't do it on my own. I don't know if you believe that, but apart from him, you can do nothing. But I don't believe it's possible. I don't believe it's truly possible to love to the extent that Christ calls us to if we're not connected him, right, to be able to seek goodness, to be able to display the fruit of the Spirit to others. And we might be able to fake it pretty well, and we might be able to, you know, love others like to a little bit of an extent close to Christ, but it's always going to fall short. Because Christ explained, you know, the best kind of love in this same passage. And the best way of love is self-sacrifice, as he says in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friend. And this is the call to love one another as Christ has loved us, and that is a a self-sacrificial love, the kind of love that walks to a cross for another, that loves its enemies, loves those you don't agree with, might not even like. To bear one another's sins and to bear the burdens of others. That's one of the reasons that Jesus says, apart from me, you cannot do this. This is a huge, expansive kind of love. We can't just pretend to do this. We can't just will our way to do this. This only happens through deep connection and transformation with the Holy Spirit through spending time and experiencing His love for us and being filled with His love so that it pours out of us. That's the only way it happens. It happens through obeying His commands, loving one another. The second aspect of remaining or abiding, as I said, I think is learning to live in a constant state of awareness and connection with the Holy Spirit. And this is essentially learning to be in two places at one time. Learning to recognize that you're here, sitting in church, and you're in God's presence. You're in the Father's presence. And so it's learning to see this throughout our daily lives. That you can be eating breakfast in the morning, and you can be in the Father's presence. You can be doing the dishes and in the Father's presence. You can be mowing the lawn and in the Father's presence. You can be at a table having coffee with a friend and in the Father's presence. And I think what was the analogy that you're used um, oftentimes for like leading worship or for preaching is that the call of the minister is often to be cross-eyed, right? And practicing the presence of God is essentially being cross-eyed. I can make my eyes go in, but I can't make them go out like that. But this image of having one eye on what is before you and having one eye on Christ as well, on the Spirit who is with you, on God working in and through you. Cross side, so to speak, of being constantly aware that God's with you and He's in you and He's working with you. The Apostle Paul famously called this prayer without ceasing, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. 24 7 prayer. That's a lot. That's a long time. But that's what this means. Pray without ceasing. But here's the thing this takes practice um, and it doesn't just happen accidentally. It takes the choice to be connected to him and to remain in him, to allow the Spirit to do a work in you. And I think that the way this happens, first, is just by working on it and reminding yourself that God is with you and he's there. But also to, at times, set aside time throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your year, to intentionally focus on God's presence. To intentionally abide and remain in his presence. To turn our hearts and our minds towards him in an intentional moment of prayer, fasting, reading the scripture, of leaning towards him. Because it won't just happen on its own. This is something that Jesus calls us to continually do. Remain in me, remain in me. Train yourself to learn to live in constant awareness of his presence now John uh, the one who wrote the gospel of John here also writes in his letter of 1st John chapter 3 again he was teaching on this very thing he says this and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us the one who keeps God's commands lives in him right? or abides in him makes a home in him Remains in him. And he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. So that's it right there. John teaching again believe in him, remain in him, and love one another. And so when we do this, that we keep in step with the Spirit, that the Spirit produces its fruit and leads us to this place of deep connection, remaining, abiding. divine this is where the spirit begins to grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control, where he grows us to look like him to display his characteristics to the world and then when we've remained in him, when we've spent deep time in his presence being connected to him we're transformed and these things are grown And so this is what I want to do um, with the remaining time that we have left. As we've talked about this, okay? We've talked about remaining and abiding. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. um, To spend some time practicing this. To spend some time remaining. To just make ourselves aware of the Spirit's presence in us and with us. And I think this is a good place for us... To do this because we can do it in the context of our community and we can do it here with one another. So that then when we go out into our lives, into the world, that we are able to practice this. And so we're gonna do that now. And what you're gonna find is that this is a difficult thing, to, um, to just quiet our hearts and minds, um, to ignore all notifications. Typically when I pray, that's when my cell phone will start to manifest, you know, and the notifications come, you have to like really get it out of there. But it's difficult, and your mind will race and your mind will wander, and abiding in God's presence is not the easiest thing, but it's something that we continue to bring ourselves back to, that we continue to turn our hearts towards and to block out the distractions and just try to be connected to Him. And Francis de Sales, he was a 16th century monk, he said this about how difficult it is sometimes to pray. And he said, if the heart wanders or is distracted, bring it back to the point quite gently and replace it tenderly in its master's presence. And even if you did nothing during the whole of your hour, but bring your heart back and place it again in our Lord's presence, though it went away every time you brought it back, your hour would be very well employed. But even just the practice of recognizing the distractions and turning our hearts back to Christ, of remaining connected to God. Even if that is all you're accomplished today, I think that's a good thing. And so we're going to spend a few minutes now in quiet prayer. Um, The worship team is going to come up in a few minutes and lead us as well. But I just want to encourage you right now. Would you just be aware of the Spirit's presence in and around you? And would you just turn your hearts to Him in prayer right now? Would you ask Him to lead you to loving others? Would you ask him to produce in you the fruit of the Spirit and humbly acknowledge that we cannot do it on our own? So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us as we begin. I just invite you to remain in him during this time. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Well, Father God, it is our desire to remain in you we know that if we remain and abide in you, that you remain and abide in us. And we just recognize that you are in this room today, that you are in our hearts and our minds, and we turn our attention to you. God, it, it's our desire to make our home in you, that at the end of every day, that we would return to you as the central thought and focus of our hearts and minds, as the place in which we come back to day after day, thought after thought, And God, we just turn our attention towards you and ask that you would hold us in that place. Would you tie us to your vine? Would you be the focus and the centerpiece of our desires, of our wills, of our hopes and dreams? Because we believe that when we are connected to you, that that is where you transform us to produce the fruit the world needs. And so Jesus, it's in this time that we turn our attention to you. and yeah. yeah. in the world, was it? He's sitting there quietly, remaining to abide. Well, would you practice that again this next week? Um, would you continue to come back to that place of stillness where, where God is the only thing on your mind? And as you do that, would you also continue to realize that it's not just in those moments of quiet and stillness and peace and awkward silence that God is present with you, but that he's present with present with you all day, every day. When you're answering your emails when you're changing diapers when you are at work, at school, wherever it is. And would you be a people who continue to grow in constant awareness of that presence? And would you go today with the words of Second John chapter 1? Dear friends, since God so loved us... No, this is First John chapter 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we will live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. So grace and peace, common ground. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for coming.